Let's praise the Lord again for the choir. Jesus, something special, supernatural about Open your heart to it. Believe him as we worship him. Supernatural. in their lives in Jesus name thank God amen will you look over towards your neighbor and say the charges are dropped and the case is dismissed tell somebody else the charges are dropped and the case is dismissed if you're glad about it clap your hands and praise God The Gospel of John, chapter 7, verse 53. John 7, 53. And everyone went to his own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple. All the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. Then the disciples, or the scribes, then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what do you say? And this they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more look at your neighbor one more time and just tell them the charges are dropped and the case is dismissed please be seated ah, hallelujah maybe I better stop while I'm ahead 
Don't spend your time looking at folk. Don't spend your time evaluating other people. Spend your time improving yourself. Don't occupy yourself observing and discussing the behavior of other folk. Work on your own behavior. Look at your neighbor and say, work on yourself. And I didn't say yourself, I said yourself. We're often more willing to hurt than we are to help. But if you can't help somebody, at least don't hurt them. When you hurt others, you hurt yourself. And you confirm and you enhance your negative side. And you devolve even further away from the person that you really need and ought to be. You can't push other folk down without being down yourself. And you can't lift other folk without yourself being lifted. Note in the text that everybody went to his own house. But Jesus either had no house in the vicinity. He did not seek to be the guest in the house of anybody else. And so Jesus camped out on the Mount of Olives. Everybody went to their house, but he went to the Mount of Olives. What extreme sacrifices Jesus made in the pursuit of his mission and of his ministry. He could have pursued wealth. He could have pursued luxury as primary objectives, but here we find him not even with a house. He spent the night outside on a hill. Maybe he did this because he needed some time alone with God. Needed some time to meditate and replenish his spiritual and emotional reserves. It might have been more difficult for him to do this in a house where he would have had to converse and interact with other people. The Mount of Olives was a favorite prayer retreat location for Jesus. The success of our public life is closely related to our private prayer life with the Lord. Look at your neighbor and say the success of our public life is closely related to our private prayer life with the Lord. And Jesus came down out of the Mount of Olives and he went to church. As a matter of fact, he took over church. The text says when he came into the temple all the people came to him and he sat down and he taught them. He closed down everything else that was going on in the temple. Somebody was trying to have Sabbath school. Everybody left their classes and came and sat before Jesus because everybody wanted to hear and see Jesus. His words were full of truth, full of life, and full of emotional healing. But the scribes and the Pharisees had no respect or concern for Jesus, what he was saying, no respect or concern for the people who were listening to his words. Stop speaking, stop listening. We don't care what kind of eternal truth he is imparting to you. Let's focus on this mess. Let's focus on this dirt. Mess and dirt ought not interrupt meaningful and productive conversations and pursuits. If you don't have anything to put into the conversation but mess and dirt and who did this and who did that and who mistreated me and who did me wrong then just stay out of the conversation and let it just go on in a positive manner in John 8 and 3 the scribes and the Pharisees brought to Jesus a woman caught in adultery 
And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Notice the word caught. And now it was mentioned twice. This woman was caught. Now the word caught implies that somebody had to put forth some effort. They had to put forth some initiative. They had to be involved in some inconvenience to catch somebody. To catch somebody, you got to develop a strategy to catch them. You have to have an interest in their activities. You got to study their habits. You got to study their movements to catch them. Usually the one that's interested in catching somebody is interested in doing the same thing they caught somebody doing with that somebody. If they don't want to catch them, uh, if, they, if they don't want to do, they have done. Uh-huh. Uh, they're doing the same thing with the other person that they caught them with. Now, wife, a husband, uh, to a degree, a fiance, uh, sister uh, Charlene has a legitimate interest. But everybody else who is snooping around is driven by jealousy and by lust. She was caught. Now, there are some self-appointed inspectors. There are some private citizens policemen whose mission in life it is to catch somebody doing something I don't buy those gossip papers that show up on the newsstands the inquirer the, I don't even know the name of all of them I'm not going to give them my money to be sneaking around sticking their noses in everybody's life trying to find dirt on people. I don't read it. I got other things to do. I don't, I'm not interested in it. I'm trying to keep myself together, my mind on an elevated plane. I don't have time for that. Uh-huh. But there are some people who are not making money putting their noses in other people's lives. They're not selling newspapers. They just do it because that's the way they uh, they ain't got no business of their own, and so they in everybody else's business. Lord, help me preach today. Big people discuss ideas, visions, values, goals, objectives, self-improvement. Little people discuss what other people are doing. I think I need to say that again. Big people discuss visions, ideas, ideals, values, self-improvement, goals, objectives. Little people discuss what other folk are doing. Listen, your life is too important to spend it worrying about everybody else's life but your own. Too much improving to be done. Too much progress to be made, too many accomplishments for you to pursue, too many profound and big ideas for you to think about. God is too great and he's been too good and you've got too much time you need to spend praising him to be trying to find out about the dirt. Mm. May have been that one person among these scribes and Pharisees was mad because somebody beat their time and had attained the prize that they were seeking. One of them may have wanted the woman for himself, but the fact that someone does not want you ought not cause you to try to destroy them and ruin their lives. Nobody says they've got to like you, care about you, Nobody says they've got to be in love with you, want to be associated with you. If they don't want to be associated with you, you ought to have enough dignity and pride about yourself to not want to be associated with them and go find somewhere where you are wanted and respected and desired. Am I preaching today? 
But if they don't want to be bothered with you, don't try to destroy their life. Don't try to ruin their reputation. Don't try to devastate them just because you are not somebody they want in their lives. Everybody ought to have the right to determine who's in their lives and who's not in their lives. What kind of twisted love? Somebody ought to say twisted love. What kind of twisted love is it that wants to destroy what it cannot possess? And then there's hatred. There's competitiveness and envy and jealousy that also wants people, causes people to want to catch and destroy other people. Don't have anything to do with them, but they just, have you heard so and so? I don't know him very well, but I heard this. Watch it when somebody come up talking about, I heard, I heard. Mm-hmm. They don't have a dog in the fight, but they are not pleased unless they bring in misery in somebody else's life. These are the kind of people who call a husband or a wife, tell him, listen, I heard your wife and your husband is involved in, listen, keep your big mouth shut, keep your nose out of it, and go on about your business. These are the kind of people who are so miserable that they want somebody else to be miserable too. Amen. Listen, the Bible condemns sowing discord and enmity among people. But may I also observe while I'm meddling that it takes at least two people to commit adultery or fornication. If they caught her, does it not seem reasonable to think that they also caught him also? Except in cases of rape, the law of Moses prescribed the same penalty for the consenting male that it prescribed for the consenting female. Why did they not bring both of them before Jesus? The fact that they didn't bring both of them to Jesus exposes them as the cowards that they were. There has been and still continues to be a double standard for evaluating the behavior of females and the behavior of males. Men get away with a whole lot of things that women are condemned for. Men can walk away, leave the woman pregnant, responsible for the rearing of the child, and they call the man a player, but they call the woman a slut. But if she's a slut, he's a double slut. Because this woman was weak and isolated, they chose to attack the, they chose to attack her rather than to attack the man who might have been strong and influential and able to retaliate against any effort to besmirch his character. So she was merely a pawn in the chess game, a piece of merchandise to be bargained with and bargained for. They didn't care anything about her. They just want to use her to put Jesus on the spot. Moses in the law commanded that such should be stoned. But what do you say, Jesus? And they said this, the Bible says, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear them. Now, they were precisely right according to the law of Moses. In Leviticus 10.10, the law prescribed that if one committed adultery with the wife of his neighbor, both of them should be put to death. And in Deuteronomy 22.13, if a betrothed woman committed adultery, both she and the man were to be put to death by stoning. And this was not the practice centuries later at the time of our text, but still that's what the law of Moses said should be done, and that's what was done centuries before. Barclay, the scholar, gives us the following analysis. The dilemma into which they sought to put Jesus was this. If he said that the woman ought to be stoned to death, 
two things followed. First, he would lose the name that he had gained for love and mercy. And never again could Jesus be called a friend of sinners. And second, he would come into collision with the Roman law. For the Jews had no power to pass or to carry out a death sentence on anyone. Only the Roman government could sentence a person to death. And so if he said that the woman uh, should be stoned, then those two things were against him. If he said that she should be pardoned, it would immediately be said that he was teaching men to break the law of Moses and that he was condoning or even encouraging people to commit adultery. And so this was a trap in which the scribes and the Pharisees sought to entrap Jesus. But he turned their attack in such a way that the attack recoiled against them and they trapped themselves. Listen, you can't outthink, outmaneuver Jesus. Well, somebody might ask the question, why did he write on the ground? Well, he wrote, he wrote on the ground because possibly he may not have wanted to give them a quick answer. He may have wanted to consider all sides of the issue. He might have wanted to consider how he was going to respond to their question. He also may have wanted time to think and to give them time to think about their actions and about their attitude. See, they were so concerned about entrapping him that they had neglected a host of other concerns and other considerations. And so his writing on the ground may have represented the pause before speaking or the pause before deciding or the pause before acting. All of us need to be well acquainted with the pause. I said, you need to know about the pause. Shake your neighbor and wake him up and tell your neighbor, you might need to know something about the pause. Yeah, yeah. Some people don't know anything about the pause. If we had incorporated the pause into our every strategy, we would have avoided a thousand mistakes, regrets, inappropriate and unwise words and actions. How many of you wish you had known about the pause before you opened your mouth and said what you should not have said and did what you should not have done? The pause enables you to make sure your brain is running before your mouth is in gear. <laughs> the pause enables you to evaluate a scenario before you create a mess. It's impossible to call back words once they are spoken and to call back deeds once they are done. But the pause gives you an opportunity to test them on the ears of your mind and of your spirit and to recall them before they're released in the world. Aren't you glad when you almost said something and didn't say it and then found out you should not have said it? You want to get down on your knees and praise God. Thank you, Lord. Somebody also said that he might have written on the ground details about the sins of the men that wanted to stone her. Being the son of God, he would have known and could have written down dates, places, and times, and names related to every one of the sins that they thought they had done in secret. All of our actions that we hide from folk are very apparent before the eyes of God. Not only God, the angels and the devils and the demons all know where you went and what you did. But whatever he wrote, when he wrote and stood up and spoke, his words fell like heavy stones on their hearts, on their ears, and on their souls. He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Then he stooped back down and began to write on the ground again. Those men convicted by their conscience. You could hear rocks dropping on the ground, plop, plop, plop. 
The rocks they intended to throw at her were burdens that they wanted to get rid of. They were indictments on themselves that they wanted to be disassociated with. And one by one, from the oldest even to the youngest, began to go out from that place. There is none righteous, the Bible says. Romans 3.10, no, not one. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You might say, oh, no, no, preacher, I've never committed any of these things. Well, what about those things you omitted? Mm-hmm. For the Bible says to him, James 4, 17, who knows to do good and does not do good, to him it is sin. And so they had omitted some things. They had committed some things. And as Jesus wrote on the ground, the indictment of their conscience came searingly and forcefully upon them. And they began to walk away. Some of them were guilty of an unforgiving and an unloving attitude. Peter said to Jesus in Matthew 18, 21, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And Jesus said, no, up to 70 times seven. If you don't forgive men their trespasses, then your father in heaven is not going to forgive you for what you've done. You haven't forgiven some folks that you don't even know. Here's somebody reading the newspaper and say, I just get mad when I see something like, listen, I don't let no newspaper make me mad. I ain't got nothing to do with it. I'm not in it. I want to keep the peace of my mind and my heart. I'm not going to read, get upset, magazines, newspapers, tabloids. My peace is too important to me. I got too much going on with God. I don't even want to know about it. Oh, I wish y'all would help me preach today. I wish you would help me preach. Got to have a forgiving spirit. Amen. And if you look in your own pedigree, your own background, you'll find a whole lot of reasons for, to forgive them if God has forgiven you. Because if you want to be forgiven, you've got to forgive. Y'all not going to help me preach today, but I wish you'd just tell two people, if you want to be forgiven, you've got to forgive. Oh, tell that second one, if you want to be forgiven, You've got to forgive. Come on and praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The Bible says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And then the Bible says in Galatians 6, 1, brethren, if a man is overtaken in uh, any trespass, you that are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted and bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That doesn't mean you gloss over their mistake and you neglect their, their sin, but you let them know they're wrong, but you love them enough to help them to get right again and help them to find the way and the truth of the Lord in their lives. But some people will not only refuse to forgive individuals, they will not forgive individuals for what those individuals have done, not to them and not to somebody else, but to themselves. They get mad at them because they hurt themselves. Now, why are you mad? Why are you upset? They didn't do anything to you. They didn't hurt you. They only hurt themselves. But by the time that all of the scribes and all the Pharisees had left, the woman was in a state of utter shock and amazement. The whole experience had left her filled with sorrow and filled with regret as she sat there before the crowd. She asked herself how could she trust the man that had now deserted her and exposed her? How could she re uh, disrespect herself to such a degree? She'd already decided, God, if you bring me out of this, I'll never make that same mistake again. I'll never be in the same situation again. She probably prayed to God for mercy. She sought God for help. She expected at any moment a stone was going to come out of nowhere and bash itself against her skull. Instead of all of that, 
instead of the pain of stoning, she heard the rocks dropping on the ground and she saw the men walking away without harming her. And so this man, Jesus, had ridden on the ground. He had overwhelmed the prosecution with one verbal sentence. He that is without fault casts the first stone. He had saved her life and she sensed the love and a compassion flowing from him like she'd never felt before. She sensed something in Jesus. He was the first man that she'd ever met who seemed genuinely interested in her well-being rather than interested in using her for his own pleasure and for his own benefit. And so in his presence, she felt the very power and the very love of God flowing in their, her direction. And so in pulling these men down from their pedestal of arrogance, down from their pedestal of righteous indignation, he lifted her level of self-respect and self-esteem. And he said to her, woman, you're just as important. As a matter of fact, you're more important than all of the men that are accusing you. And she said, if he would defend me and if he would fight for me, I must be worth more than I thought I was worth. And so her self-respect and her self-esteem began to go higher, higher, and higher. Child of God, if you feel like a nobody, if you feel like you're less than you ought to be, I want you to know that you are somebody. You're so much somebody that Jesus came all the way from heaven just to save you. You are somebody because when he thought about you, he stretched out his hands. They were nailed to a cross. He hung there for you. He bled for you. And if the son of God, the savior of the world, died for you, that means you are somebody. Would you tell two people, I'm somebody. I'm somebody. I'm somebody. Jesus saved her life. But not only did he save her life, he also saved her soul. Notice what the Bible says in John 8 and 3. And they had set her, when they had set her in the midst, she was sitting down. She was on a low level. But in verse 9, the Bible says, and Jesus was left alone. And the woman was standing in the midst. She was standing in the crowd. Listen, when Jesus comes into your life, he might find you on a low level. But when Jesus gets through, you'll be standing on your feet in pride and in dignity. Oh, bless the name of God. I don't care how badly you've been hurt. I don't care what you've gone through. I don't care about the pain you feel. When God gets through with you, you'll be standing in your dignity, standing on your feet. Oh, yes, you will. Life had knocked her to the ground, but Jesus stood her on her feet. She could have run away. She could have walked away when the men walked away. She could have wiped her brow and said, I got out of this, but she stayed there in the presence of Jesus. She said, I'm not going to leave. At least I'm going to say thank you. I'm not going to leave. Anybody like that, I want to be around him. I'm not going to leave because I believe he has something else that he wants to say to me. She hung around for just a while longer. And when Jesus stood up, the Bible says he saw no one but the woman. I said he saw no one but the woman. Now there were some other folk that were still around because he saw her standing in the midst. 
there was a crowd there, but her enemies had left. Those that would have stoned her had left. Those that condemned her had left. There was a crowd there, and Jesus said, even though you're in the crowd, I don't see anybody but you. And I want you to know today, you may be in the crowd, but the eyes of the Lord are upon you. The heart of God is extended to you. I don't care how low you've sunk, he still loves you. I don't care what you've done, he still cares for you. I don't care how messed up your life might be. The eyes of the Lord are upon you. Oh, yes, they are. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. I said, thank you, Lord, that your eyes are on me. Thank you, Lord, that you care about me. Thank you, Lord, that you reach out your hand and extend it to me. I don't know why he loved me. I don't know why he cared. I don't know why he sacrificed his life, but I'm glad, I'm glad God cares about you. There are billionaires and there are millionaires and there are PhDs and there are scholars that the Lord walked by. There are celebrities that the Lord bypassed to get to you. He pushed them aside. He reached out and he reached down. He would save you. He would change your life. He will set you free. Help me praise him. Praise him. He loves you. He cares about you. This is your day. Tell somebody this is your day. Your day to be blessed. Your day to be delivered. God has a miracle with your name written on it. Come on and praise the Lord. Praise him. Praise him. He looked at the woman, said, I'm gonna give you another chance. Hallelujah. I'm gonna give you another opportunity. I'm gonna help you to start over again. This is not the end. This is just the beginning. Go and sin no more. The woman accepted the word that he had spoke because she'd always already called him, you're my Lord. Because he said, does anybody condemn you? And she said, no one, Lord. When you call Jesus Lord, you move to another level of Lord. When you call Jesus Lord, you move to another level of life. When you call Jesus Lord, he accepts you as his servant. Hallelujah. Confess with your mouth. Hallelujah. The Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and you shall be saved when you believe that he is the Lord. And I tell you today, he's Lord. He has arisen from the dead and he is Lord. He wants to be Lord of your life. He wants to be Lord of your existence. He wants to be a hedge around you. He wants to be a fence to protect you. He wants to stand God over your life. And when you accept him as your Lord, your life changes. Would you raise your hand and say, you're my Lord. Tell him one more time, you're my Lord. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Hallelujah. They were going to throw her away. They were going to forget all about her. She made no difference in their lives. And so stone her, ruin her reputation, 
throw her away. How much there's a lack of love in this world we're living in. We're around people who care nothing for us and do nothing for us. And we walk in rejection. We walk in pain. The folk we relied on turn their back on us, look down their noses at us, and they want to throw us away. But I'm so glad. And would you tell your neighbor this? Jesus will not throw you away. Hallelujah. We're living in a throwaway generation. Paper tiles, paper plates, paper cups, plastic spoons, plastic knives. Use them and throw them away. I don't feel that way. I want me a real plate. I want me a real glass. I want me a silver fork. I want a silver knife. I'll wash it, put it in the drawer, and use it again. But folk want to throw stuff away. It's easier to replace it than it is to repair it. If it's broken, they throw it away rather than getting it repaired. But Jesus says, I'd rather repair you than to throw you away. When my son, Elder Lawrence Blake, Elder Lawrence Blake was just a little boy and he had a toy, a, a toy car that he wore out. The wheels came off, the little doors came off, but he still loved that toy. But one day I was cleaning up the yard and I found his little toy out in the yard. And I said, this is a chance to get rid of it. I took it and threw it in the trash and put some trash on top of it. But somehow he must have seen me do it from the house. He came out in the yard and said, Daddy, where's my car? I want my car. I said, Larry, that car is no good. It's broken. It's ruined. But Larry went over to the trash can, began to dig in the trash and looked over at me and said, Daddy, I love broken things. I love broken things. God's justice would have thrown us away, but Jesus came all the way from heaven down and said, Father, don't destroy them. I love broken things. He uses the weak things to confound the mighty things and he uses them, the things that are not to bring to nothing the things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence God loves broken things your life might be broken your life might be confused your burden might be heavy but Jesus loves you like you are but he loves you too much to leave you as you are. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away and all things are become new. Look at your neighbor and say new. New way of walking, new way of talking, new way of living, new way of shouting, new by the power of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, oh hallelujah. Come on and praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him. Tell three people, don't give up on me. Don't give up on me. God is not through with me yet. God is not through with me yet. There's still a higher height. There's still a deeper depth. I'm not gonna be where I am all my life. I'm pressing on higher every day. God is still in love with you. No matter what you've done, no matter how you've lived, the charges are dropped, the case is dismissed. Tell somebody the charges. I drop the case is dismissed. I'm so glad he dropped the charges. 
I'm so glad the case is dismissed. I'm so glad I stand before God under the protection of the blood of Jesus. I'm so glad that he saved my soul. Oh, I'm so, I'm so, I'm so glad that he changed my life. Help me praise him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stand up and praise him. Stand up and praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. If you know he dropped the charges, you ought to praise him. If your case has been dismissed, you ought to praise him. Hallelujah. Don't you worry about that burden. Don't you worry about your past. Don't you worry about the things you've done. God says case dismissed. The charges are dropped. Hallelujah. If you're glad the charges are dropped, you ought to give God glory. It's time for you to stretch out your hand and say, Father, I stretch my hand to thee. None of the help I know. I give you my past. I give you my present. I give you my future. I give you my life. I've made a mess, but you can make it the best. Turn my life around. Forgive my sin. I recognize you as Lord. Lord of my life. Lord of my heart, Lord of my existence. Come on and tell him yes. Yes to your will. Yes. him if you receive him and believe on him he'll change your life right now yeah. tell two people it's all right it's all right now to you today I know you might say well you're preaching about a woman not a man preaching about somebody a long time ago that's not my life that's not my walk but I would say to you you have been disrespected you have been rejected you have been in that predicament for you felt that you were less than you really could be. Your life was on a low level. But Jesus transformed the life of this woman so that every man, woman, boy, and girl in this room could know that he can change your life also. Everything that I had within me I've tried to consign it to letting you know that your life can be better than you ever thought it could be. That God in his power can come into your spirit and you'll never ever again be the same. Every sin you've ever committed can be forgiven. You can stand before God and hear the verdict. The charges are dropped. 
and the case is dismissed. This is only for those who accept him. Because you've got to accept the verdict. You've got to accept your deliverance. I want to pray for somebody who does not know Jesus. If you're not saved and you need to be saved, if your sins are not washed away and you need to be cleansed, if you are overwhelmed by guilt and you know you're not where God would have you to be, I want to pray for you today. Jesus can come into your life and your life will never, ever again be the same. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If you would say, preacher, pray for me. I need Jesus. I need God in my life. I want to be saved. I want to be sure that things are well between me and my God. I will pray for you right where you stand and right where you are, your sins can be forgiven. Jesus will come into your life and he'll never leave you. Only you will leave him if any leaving is done. But he'll never turn his back on you. And if you would say, preacher, pray for me. I need the Lord. I just want you just to slip that hand up. Hold it high. So that I will know that you desire prayer. And I will pray for you right where you stand. Right where you are. Your life can be changed. Jesus can come into your heart. There are at least ten more people. The Spirit of the Lord is speaking to you and dealing with you. Don't reject this opportunity. You may never have another chance. Lift that hand. Pray for me, preacher. I need God. I need those God. I need God. Those hands are still, those heads are still bowed. Lift your hand if you would say, preacher, pray for me. I need God. Dear Lord, I pray for those whose hands are uplifted. Thank you that by your grace you brought them into your house. You've shown them your love. You sent them a very special word. Dear Lord, transform their lives. Set them free. Let them never, ever again be the same. Transform them by your might come into their lives say this prayer after me everyone dear Lord I'm sorry for my sins please forgive me for the wrong I've done and the wrong I've been I want to be saved I believe that Jesus is the son of God I believe that he died for my sin I believe that he arose from the dead I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior and I give my life to him and I thank you Lord I thank you Lord I am forgiven I thank you Lord I am saved I thank you Lord I have new life come on and praise the Lord hallelujah hallelujah hallelujah